Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Morning Show. A uh, big difference from yesterday, 23 degrees right now in Jackson on the 23rd of February. We're expecting a high, well, just two or three degrees warmer than it is right now. Yesterday, we had a high of 53 degrees, and that was at about 7 o'clock last night. And, of course, a lot of rain rest of the day today, cloudy, uh, cold, too, all day long. Our wind chill right now is 10 degrees. We are expecting on Thursday night and Friday two to four inches of snow, continuing our uh, wonderful wintry February. But the good news, uh, it is the shortest month, so we uh, are counting down the days till March. Uh, we've got uh, the Chamber's Night of Distinction uh, tonight. The Chamber of Commerce originally had this scheduled uh, earlier this month, but the first February snowstorm canceled our uh, Night of Distinction, uh, postponed it to tonight. So uh, Chamber members are invited to the Michigan Theater and then to Veritas following. And I believe there are still tickets available, but call the Chamber um, to be sure. Also today we have the um, high school basketball continuing live on JTV tonight. Napoleon at East Jackson. They've already played once this season. Should be a great game tonight. 6.45 the pregame and 7 o'clock the tip-off. That game will replay at 10 p.m. And again this weekend on JTV Sports brought to you by Recruit Professional Staffing. We've got uh, no Andy today. Andy has, where is Andy? Oh, oh yeah, he went on, he's on a trip. He's um, gone to, I think Hilton Head for a golf uh, destination bachelor party. Bachelor parties have gotten all, all way out of hand. Are we gonna go live, like on location, <laughs> if you can do a breaking news? Actually, I think he's act, uh, traveling right now. And tomorrow he'll probably be um, on the golf course. So we've got um, some pretty good news on uh, the COVID front yesterday. The health department reporting uh, since last Friday, uh, 67 new cases, unfortunately two new deaths. And that is over a five, four or five day period. And the numbers, uh, Henry Ford, Allegiance Health, continue to go down as of Monday, 13 persons being treated as inpatients for COVID-19 at the hospital here in Jackson. And that is the lowest number in months. So we've seen a rapid decline in the number of hospitalizations over the past four weeks. But overall, when you look at, we're approaching the uh, two-year anniversary of this pandemic. One out of four Jackson County residents uh, have had COVID. 25% of everyone in Jackson County, and that includes um, man, woman, and child. One out of four. So you or you, your loved ones or close friends, someone you know um, definitely has had it. And that's the numbers that are reported to the health department. So there are people, as you know, over the last several weeks, that have been giving themselves the home tests and those numbers don't get reported. So the numbers, the percentage of people in Jackson County with COVID is likely higher. 
Uh, we've heard uh, not much from the corrections as to number of cases lately, but uh, yesterday, Heidi Washington, the head of the Department of Corrections, testified at a uh, Senate panel. And the big problem right now at corrections is uh, lack of corrections officers. They have 770 vacancies right now. 770 unfilled corrections officers uh, positions. The uh, number of uh, COVID cases in MDOC facilities is down right now. Um, it's down to 10 facilities. Three weeks ago, there were cases in every facility, now in 10. Here in Jackson, there are about 180 active cases among the various MDOC prison facilities here in Jackson. Uh, the Ukraine, we're continuing to follow those developments. And yesterday, President Putin ordered Russian troops into Ukraine to maintain peace. And yesterday, uh, President Biden uh, said it's the beginning of an invasion. And some people have called it a slight invasion or a minor invasion, but I think <laughs> an invasion's an invasion. Uh, there are um, financial sanctions being slapped on uh, Russia and Russian banks. And apparently there are tougher measures that uh, eventually will be implemented should the slight invasion get less slight. Uh, last night, uh, Michigan State, Brandon, I, I haven't heard you talking about um, the Spartans lately, but uh, Iowa over Michigan State last night, 86 to 60, Tom Izzo got a technical foul, and there's some concern that the Spartans are in a downward slide. What's going on with your Spartans? Um, they're not shooting well, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're not shooting well. They've, they've got to be more aggressive. They've lost five of their last six games and seven of their past 11 games. And Tom Izzo spoke to reporters about Juwan Howard's uh, issues. Uh, there, were, there was some talk uh, Sunday and Monday about eliminating the handshake line after the game. And Tom Izzo was furious that that's even being disgusted. He said... That, to me, would be the biggest farce, joke, ridiculous nature of anything I've ever heard of in my entire life. We've already taught these poor 18-year-olds that when you're told to go to class and you don't like it, you can leave. And now we're going to tell them to not man up and walk down a line on someone who's kicked your butt and have enough class to shake their hand. It's ridiculous. And it would be. Eliminate the handshake line because coaches can't behave themselves and not slap opposing uh, coaches. Uh, the fallout, though, at Michigan continues. Uh, reporters have been asking the University of Michigan, hey, uh, what about this uh, suspension? Is it paid or unpaid? The university declines to respond. They are not saying whether Jawan Howard is going to get paid or not. He was fined $40,000 for his role in the uh, fracas. And is he paying it? The university declines to say whether it's coming out of his personal pocket or the university is paying for it. The University of Wisconsin has already announced that they are paying the $10,000 fine uh, that was uh, levied against Coach Greg Gard. And so we don't know if Michigan is going to pay uh, the fine. So the, uh, what Michigan is saying, 
here's what uh, Juwan Howard can't do. Uh, no coaching duties, and it won't be until March 9th when the Big Ten tournament starts in Indianapolis. No access to campus facilities. He's locked out of all the buildings, including his office and the Chrysler Center. Can't attend any practices or games. Can't assist or offer input in any game preparation. Uh, won't be permitted in any team activities. Can't go on recruiting. Uh, he is permitted to have contact with his players and staff via phone calls, text messages, and Zoom. So that's surprising. He can still have communication, um, but can't coach. So we'll see. Big Ten tournament be interesting. I don't, don't after Michigan State's uh, last few games and Michigan's challenges. It uh, it's going to be a tough. It's going to be a tough tournament for uh, the Big Ten and the tournament in Indianapolis this year. We had uh, surprise uh, students at. Uh, University, uh, Brigham Young University in Utah were evacuated from their dorm uh, over the weekend because a student decided he wanted to make rocket fuel on the stove in his dorm. <laughs> yes, he actually was going to make rocket fuel in his dorm on the stove. It uh, suddenly exploded into a fireball, surprisingly, engulfed the walls and the ceiling, as you can see. Uh, luckily, the fire sprinkler system went off and firefighters put out the fire, but uh, everyone was evacuated and living somewhere else. Apparently, it's legal. So <laughs> you're not going to get fined for that? No, no, he's not. He has not been arrested. He's not been charged. Um, he's not been suspended. He said, I bought, these, I bought these materials to make rocket fuel. They were all legally obtained. And there is no law against making rocket fuel in your dorm kitchen. <laughs> but apparently um, that, wall, that, that law uh, is destined to be changed. Oh, here's a law that might be changed uh, in the state of Michigan. Uh, yesterday, a House bill came before the Senate Education and Career Readiness Committee that would um, classify coding as a foreign language. So students could soon be allowed to take coding classes, computer coding classes, to meet their foreign language requirements in uh, high school. So I guess it is, I guess it is technically a um, language that's not English. So coming soon to a school near you. Uh, elsewhere on the COVID front, uh, the European Union is loosening restrictions and they said yesterday they are going to uh, open the doors to tourist travel. The European Council recommending that all members remove testing and quarantine requirements for people who are vaccinated starting next month. Spring break Latvia, here we come. And we did find out yesterday you can travel. Why you would want to, we don't know, but you can travel um, to the Ukraine. And if you do travel on an airplane, now how long is a mask on the airplane thing going to be? Some, bit, some people have predicted this is a forever thing. Well, guess what? Um, it's not. In fact, on March 18th, President Biden's uh, order mandating masks on transportation, including airplanes, it expires. I remember March 18th, that is the 
two-year anniversary of the start of the pandemic. So starting March 18th, unless uh, President Biden or somebody, uh, T, uh, TSA or FAA or SCDC, somebody uh, mandates masks be on planes after March 18th, that expires. Uh, but the flight attendants, believe it or not, they do not want the mask mandate to end. And I think it's somewhat surprising because it's the mask that has caused so much trouble uh, on the planes with flight attendants, uh, where flight attendants um, get punched in the face because they've asked someone to wear a mask. But the flight attendants want the masks to continue. The uh, Flight Attendants uh, Union Association of Flight Attendants said that this would endanger medically vulnerable travelers and passengers under five who have not been uh, approved by federal, federal health authorities to uh, get the vaccine. Vaccine is still available in Jackson County. Uh, we checked the uh, percentage of people in Jackson County who have been vaccinated is now at, you wanna guess? 59.6%. That is uh, among people aged five and up, 59.6%. One county over to our east, their rate of vaccination of people five and up is 71%. So a big difference in just miles. And it was on this day in 1954, 1954, that children at a Pennsylvania school received the first injections of Dr. Jonas Salk's polio vaccine. And back in the day when they started uh, with that vaccination program, they actually went into the schools and they just lined the kids up and everybody got a shot. Not happening that way anymore. Are you a regular at uh, Family Dollar store? Well, you might want to um, think twice uh, about heading to Family Dollar, particularly in the South, because, well, actually, uh, most of the stores are closed because of a rat infestation at an Arkansas distribution warehouse. So they have this place in Arkansas, huge place where all the Family Dollar products are uh, shipped out from and the FDA shut them down because they found, they went in, they discovered, oh, there's, there's uh, rodents in this place. I think an employee or employees called the authorities and said, these conditions are intolerable. They went in, they fumigated, and the result of the fumigation, 1,100 dead rats were found in the building yeah. and removed. So uh, health authorities said, we're shutting this thing down and all the stores that got product from that warehouse, they're all shut down too. But apparently it's just in six states, Alabama, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, and Tennessee. So those stores will remain closed for hmm, a while. And he'd be the one that has to clean that up. Oh my gosh, what a mess. Can you imagine, how can they not know? <laughs> it's like these people are working and there's, 1,100 rats, how, how could they not know? Hmm. Uh, today's show is uh, being brought to you by uh, Vermeulen's Home Furnishings, located at 2105 West Michigan Avenue, just west of Westwood Mall. Now in their third generation as a family-owned and operated business, 
They take pride in helping people furnish their homes with comfortable brand name furniture at affordable prices. Thanks to uh, Vermeulens. We've got uh, St. Patrick's Day coming up and a tradition returns. The Catholic Charities of Jackson, Lenaway, Hillsdale County have their Irish eyes smiling because their box lunch event is back. This event helps raise money for programs which support the children, adults, and families who come to Catholic Charities for help. Each week, for just $15, your delicious lunch will include a top-quality corned beef and Swiss sandwich, a freshly baked cookie, homemade coleslaw, potato chips, and a pickle. With limited number of lunches available, place your order early so you don't miss out. Lunches will be available for drive-through pickup on St. Patrick's Day. And St. Patrick's Day this year is on a Thursday, Thursday, March 17th. Order your lunches online at catholiccharitiesjlhc.org or call Isaac at 262-0466. Online, catholiccharitiesjlhc.org or 262-0466. Box lunches, and we've done that um, several times here at uh, JTV, haven't we, Brandon? We have, It's yeah. been a tradition here Very at uh, JTV. Well, we told you about um, some unfortunate uh, happenings at BYU at another college campus in Louisiana, Louisiana State University. Students were in the dining hall just eating lunch when suddenly from the ceiling, a raccoon dropped, dropped through the <laughs> ceiling tiles uh, and then started running loose through the building because apparently when a raccoon lands uh, on a table in a dining hall, uh, they're on a hunt. Witnesses said the raccoon crashed through the ceiling of the 459 dining hall and it was during dinner time. Uh, raccoon ran loose through the dining area. Students climbed onto chairs and tables to avoid the animal and a wonderful time had by all. Apparently they caught the uh, critter in a, um, in a, in a garbage uh, bin. So, man, it's a big one too. Oh. Well, I think that's all the rodent stories we have for today. Let's move on to our Extreme Dodge Jackson County scoreboard brought to you by Extreme Dodge, where they have uh, many vehicles in stock, including the uh, popular Jeep. Also, get your oil changed at Extreme Dodge. It's a fast, easy process. We'll start with uh, boys basketball and reading over Concord in a close game 60 to 57. The Yellow Jackets had a shot at tying the game in the final seconds. Grayley Sprague scored 30 points. Uh, Big 8 conference uh, record has reading and Concord tied each with three losses. Napoleon over Manchester, 85-53. to 53. All 12 players scored for the Pirates. Zach Johnson led with 10 points. Jackson over Adrian, 75. The Vikings improved to 8-10 and 10 on the season. Marshall, 77. Western, 58. Western, 7-10. Columbia Central, 55. Ida, 41. Harper Creek over Lumen. Titans having a rough season, 3-16. One regular season game remaining in Northwest over Hastings. Uh, the Mounties improved to 7-10. and 10. In girls basketball, Columbia Central 40, Ida 36, Zoe Bam scored 16 points, and Ava Like and Tedessa Brown each had 9 for Columbia. Arbor Prep over Grass Lake 65-38. Arbor Prep is uh, one of the top-ranked teams in the state. K-8 
Kate Starkey, just a freshman, scored 15 points for the Warriors. Uh, Gabby Luchka, unfortunately, this is bad news for the Warriors. She left the game in the second quarter with an ankle injury, and the Warriors have been plagued with injuries uh, this season. Uh, EJ over Napoleon, 68 to 38, four players in double figures. For the Trojans, Bryn Miracle scored 16 points. Michigan Center, 40, Hanover Horton, 34. Cardinals were led by Julia Reynolds, 19 points and three assists. Jackson, 61, Adrian, 26. Vikings are 5 and 11. Hillsdale Academy over Jackson Christian. Harbor Creek beat Lumen Christie. Northwest over Hastings. Western beat Marshall, 63-33. It was senior night at a lot of these games, including at uh, Western. Western won its third consecutive Interstate 8 conference title with the win. Leading the Panthers was uh, Elena Lewis, 19 points. Reese hit. Uh, Lily Luma and Hillary Griffin all scored 10 points. Undefeated Panthers in Interstate 8 conference play, 18-1 and overall with the victory. And I think their only loss was, uh, was it Arbor Prep or Detroit? What was it? Detroit Edison. Detroit Edison. Detroit Edison. So... Uh, boys Bowling, Northwest over Marshall, 25-5. to Cody Hall finished with a 402 series. Logan Jar rolled a 392 series to lead Northwest. The Mounties are the Interstate 8 Conference champions for a fourth consecutive season with the win. Congratulations. On deck for today, we've got uh, boys basketball. Vandercook Lake at Grass Lake. Napoleon East, East Jackson, and that game is on JTV tonight at 6.45 with the pregame, the opening tip at 7 p.m., and the game will replay at 10 p.m. Michigan Center at Hanover Horton, that is gonna be a good game at seven o'clock, and Jackson Christian at Hillsdale Academy. We've got hockey playoffs starting today. D1 Regional, Jackson versus Huron at Brighton, and D3, Grand Rapids Forest Hills versus Grand Rapids Catholic, and that is being played here in Jackson at the Optimist Ice Arena. So that, um, that should be a good game. And that's it. That's the uh, Extreme Dodge Jackson County scoreboard brought to you by Extreme Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram. Stop by and check out all the new vehicles arriving daily at Extreme. Uh, today we have a great show for you. Joining us in uh, just a couple moments, Sean Tello, CEO of the Jackson YMCA. And a little bit later, later our uh, mayor, Daniel Mahoney, great to have you with us. The morning show presented by the Pick Center. And Shauna joins us after this. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. We are happy to welcome to the morning show the CEO of the Jackson YMCA, Shauna Tello. Morning, Shauna. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, nice to have you here. Uh, did you walk over? I didn't. I drove today. <laughs> it was so cold and windy. Uh, so we have so many guests that are uh, from the downtown area. I usually ask if they walked. I usually do, but it backed up nicely with dropping my daughter off at school and Ran into the Y, picked a few things up, jumped back in the car. That's fine. No, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a hike. I'm a, I'm a proponent of walking, though, <laughs> absolutely. 
I think the last time uh, we had you here, we uh, got an update on the, uh, the end of the year update on the uh, Jackson YMCA capital uh, campaign. What's new since then? Well, a lot of behind the scenes activity uh, related to our physical condition assessment, PCA, um, if you hear us out and about talking about it. Over the last five weeks, we've had um, structural engineers, uh, mechanical engineers, pool engineers, um, in the building, taking a deep dive into our facility. Um, last Sunday, we had this little guy, I guess his name is Trimble, um, a robotic um, device that's used to um, build 3D images that the architects and the construction manager will use as we move forward. Um, really exciting time, um, but, but kind of behind the scenes, and uh, we're looking forward to being able to release more information in the, in the near future. The, uh, the pool, so uh, originally that was going to be uh, demolished, a new pool was going to be built. Right. We're keeping some of the old Y, building some new Y. Is the pool, is the, is the, the pool going to stay or are we going to get a new one? That is what we are trying to determine. Okay. In fact, um, in the next couple of days we'll have to close the pool for a few days. Um, so that the engineers can take a really deep dive <laughs> into, into our pool. Um, right now the work has um, been done primarily in the basement and now it's time to actually get into the pool, do some pressure and structural testing, um, find out where the leaks are and if they can be repaired. Um, so we will know more about the aquatics area very soon. Yeah, I think uh, that really will cause the whole project to delay because that's a very critical part of whatever the new Y is going to be. Absolutely. Um, aquatics are a big part of the YMCA as an organization, the work that we do in our community, and our, our pool is, is old. Um, right now it appears to be structurally sound. It's the mechanicals um, that create the most challenge for us, um, but right, like I said, with this um, with this pressure testing coming up and some of the other evaluations that are taking place, uh, we'll know more. The, the difficult part is that the cost of renovation or building um, in aquatics per square foot is significantly higher than any other part of the building. Mm -hmm. um, so this step in the process is going to be critically important, um, not just in terms of the services we provide to the community, but in terms of the overall cost of the project as we move forward. Yeah, I was talking to someone uh, just last week who was furnishing a project that's under construction. The original uh, budget pre-COVID, mm -hmm. 150000 It's now up to 375000 That That makes sense. Um, when we launched the campaign back in 2017, um, we had a square, per square foot estimate of the cost to build the new IMCA. And that per square foot cost estimate has gone up 30%. Um, so I, everyone's experiencing it. Fortunately, it's, it's, it, it's a difficult story to tell, but I think it's one that people understand because um, people are experiencing those cost increases at home too. Yeah, it, and there's so many factors. Uh, supply chain, the cost and shortage of labor, mm -hmm. uh, demand. Mm -hmm. Really, it's, it's, a, it's economics 101 at this point. Right. 
But there's predictions that all of this will eventually shake out and, and improve. Right. And that kind of helps because your timeline is pushed back in order to accommodate all of these changes. Right. So the plan is still to begin the project um, this spring, in the next couple of months. We'll start with demolition of some of the buildings um, that we acquired on the property so that we can expand and improve our parking. And then we'll move to the new construction portion of the project. And then uh, finally we'll finish with the redevelopment of the interior of the facility. And that will be the most extensive and um, potentially have the most impact on our membership. Uh, but our goal is to maintain operations throughout the project. Um, certainly as each part of the building is affected, um, some services might be restricted temporarily, but uh, we will maintain operations and do our best to, to meet the expectations of the members that have been with us through this process. So the pool, it's a big question mark right now, and that's gotta be a big question mark on the budget. Absolutely. It's gotta be a very big part of it. So right. what do we know of the existing facility that is, is keeper, Keep or go? Keep or go, that's a good question. Um, I don't like to use the word gut, but it makes the most sense. From the front of the building, so to speak, where the windows are along Wesley Street, all the way back to the locker rooms, um, it's likely that that whole part of the building will be completely gutted. And then what's currently the girls, boys, and community locker room, those will be completely removed. Um, Significant improvements will be made to the men's and women's locker room. And then we're creating this new space. Um, most YMCA's around the country call it a universal locker room. I'm really excited about it. It'll have um, up to 14 individual mini locker rooms um, with sink, shower, and toilet. And then kind of an open community space in the middle with the hair dryers, the mirrors, um, changing stalls. Um, so it'll be a really nice space for families, uh, people who aren't comfortable in a traditional locker room setting, or business people um, who just want to get in, get a shower, and get back to work. Um, you know, a lot of times at the Y, the locker rooms are um, as much a part of the social experience as the wellness center is, and that's really an important part of the, the membership experience for most of our members, the opportunity to connect. and. Um, build relationships, but for some folks, they just want their own private space and they want to be able to get in and get out. Um, so we're really excited to be able to offer that. It'll also really enhance the experience for people with limited mobility, um, as everything will be very easily accessible and individualized. So that's um, one of the features we're really excited about. Up on the second floor, the wellness center will be expanded significantly. Um, partnership space on both the first and second floors for Henry Ford Allegiance Health. And we'll also have um, partnership space on the first floor for Big Brothers Big Sisters. Um, making some updates to the big gym and to the track and um, also adding additional studio space for group exercise classes. All right, we'll uh, talk about what's coming up at the uh, current existing Y facilities uh, in the next few weeks as the Y's about to celebrate a birthday. More with Sean Antello after this. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. 
If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. Sean Otello, CEO of the Jackson YMCA here with us. And happy birthday to the Jackson Y. Thank you. Your birthday's next month. It is. We celebrate our birthday each year, um, usually the first week of March. And this year, this is our 126th birthday. Uh, last year was a big one for us, but we continue to celebrate each year. And we like to give back to the community uh, in honor of our birthday each year. This year we are um, offering significant discounts on membership, and we're also having our big annual glow party. Um, it's a Zumba fitness event uh, for the whole family, and we encourage folks to, to dress up in their favorite glow gear. Um, Pro DJs has been kind enough to be a sponsor for that and provide the music, and we get instructors from all over the state of Michigan. Um, but I have to say, the instructors at the Jackson YMCA, they're, they're the best, and they bring, they bring a great show. So if you're available that night, come on over. We're also celebrating the grand reopening of our Summit branch, and we are now offering 24-hour access over at that branch. Uh, one of the things we heard from the community when we started work on uh, the capital campaign and the new facility project was that folks want 24-hour access from their YMCA. And we're not in a position yet to provide that downtown, uh, but we felt like the Summit Branch would be a, a great place for us to start. And so we're um, learning as we go. We released the key fob access just a couple of weeks ago. So far, the members absolutely love it. And we've got some new equipment on order that will be here um, later in March, upper and lower body strength equipment and a couple other items. So it's really a, it's a fantastic space for people to be able to come and go as they please and participate in group exercise classes and also do their grocery shopping while they're there over at Polly's. And um, like I said, that it's the easy access, I think, that makes that um, location really appealing for our members. Yeah, and that stack machine, that's uh, very uh, in demand and very expensive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, we're excited to be able to provide that. Um, a lot of um, security protocols in place, um, so you, sh you should absolutely feel safe using that space any time of day or night. And like I said, so far many of the members that are, are using it now are really enjoying um, the space. I, I'll put a warning out there though, if you go get on a treadmill while there's a Zumba class going on, um, you might hear the music even with your headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> so people are actually showing up at 3 in the morning. That's, um, that's what we're hearing, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's, you know, it's convenient I think for, for business people, for people who have unique work schedules. Um, I've heard from a couple of moms that say, I like to get the kids tucked in and then I like to slip out and get a workout in and be able to get back home quickly. For the, for the people that live on the summit side of town, it's really convenient. Yeah, and it's really a trend. There are several uh, facilities in Jackson that are 24-7. Right, right. So it's a nice feature to be able to provide to our members. 
the uh, capital campaign continues, the fundraising, it's going to go on even after construction starts. Absolutely. Our goal is still to raise $25 million. Um, we're still roughly at $23 million, 22.8 to be exact. And once we have the final cost of the project and the final design plans, uh, we will be back out in the community uh, pushing to close that little that little gap that remains um, with some new naming opportunities and opportunities for more engagement from the community to, to get the project to the finish line. Um, we are so fortunate that all of our donors have um, stayed with us through this process. Like I said, we launched back publicly in November of 2017 uh, with some significant anchor gifts. Um, John George Student Loan Fund, Dawn Foods Foundation, um, shortly after that Consumers Energy and Henry Ford Allegiance Health, American One Credit Union. Um, I could go on and on. And those folks have stayed with us, stayed publicly supportive, um, and have even gone so far to say, um, tell people, Shauna, tell people that you have our support because we know how important the why is. We want to see this project come to fruition and we know that we will have the same level of impact um, even in a redeveloped facility as we would in a brand new facility. So the support has been absolutely overwhelming. Thanks, Shauna. Thank you, Bart. Shauna Tello, CEO of the Jackson YMCA. The mayor of the city of Jackson, Daniel Mahoney, is up next. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. Welcome back to the morning show. Andy is off for a couple of days, and tomorrow Jennifer Scanlon will be joining me. Next, we welcome the mayor of the city of Jackson, Daniel Mahoney. Good morning, Daniel. Good morning. Good morning, Jackson. Good morning, Bart. Glad to have you back. Last night, uh, city council meeting, different format, yeah. a, a, a visioning, a visioning uh, session? Yes, yes, kind of like a strategic planning session, uh, visioning session opportunity for us to I kind of grow a little closer as a council um, uh, and, and as well as opportunity for us to connect and um, talk, some, talk through some ideas about what we want to work on, like a visioning for the next two years and looking at a three-year impact for what we work on in these next two years. And uh, it was great. You know, we had a lot of the different department heads from the city of Jackson. Um, who were involved in this. We had uh, input from the community. That was uh, kind of unexpected to me. And then, of course, all of our council members and myself uh, all participated. It was, really, it was really fun. It was a lot of, lot of fun. It's a first step in a process, but did you come up with anything like goals or uh, plans? So, so not, not yet, right? The goals is the next session. So like kind of making those uh, measurable, attainable goals with uh, uh, time time constraints on them like and all of that kind of stuff that'll come in the next session um, this session was really about talking through what is the thing right what are the things that we want to uh, address as a council what's most important to us individually what's important to our department heads uh, we kind of talked about like our views and our outlooks of um, 
how we are as a group right now. Uh, department heads kind of spoke about how they feel like they operate as a department. Um, it was it was a lot of it was it was really a nice opportunity to kind of step outside the box inside of a city council meeting um, and get that public engagement. Most importantly, we had um, quite a few people from the public there. I wish we could have advertised more that this was going to be the format because I think we probably would have had trouble fitting all the people in the room who wanted a little bit of input. Uh, but one of the things that I talked to the city manager and staff about uh, and the facilitators, which did a phenomenal job, shout out to Nonprofit Network uh, for the recommendation of Chris Smith and Katina Kane to facilitate that visioning session for us. And um, one of the things that I talked to, uh, to all of them about in my comments at the end was, can we create some type of, um, some type of poll or survey that we can put out on maybe our social media page to get some additional input on those different topics that we talked about. Like, so the main headlining topics that we used was um, housing. Um, the second one was like uh, water lines, but then we kind of switched it up um, after a recommendation by council person, uh, Laura Schlechty, which I totally agreed with that like water lines, while definitely a main issue for the community, it's not really a headline issue because there's so many other infrastructure needs for the community. So like, let's say infrastructure, but then put, put water lines as one of those things underneath there. Um, so we talked about that. Um, which was which was really great, and then the uh, third one, third main topic that we talked about was like social issues, like economic um, investment and uh, economic development in different communities and some stuff like that. So it was it was really nice. Yeah, the waterline issue. Senator Shirky uh, said just the other day that Jackson, yes, along with all the other communities with the lead water lines, will be getting state assistance and COVID money. Yes. So. That's a big question mark. It is. How much. That's what I was going to say. And that's what, you know, so when we, um, when I put that down in our group, because the, the, the beautiful things, we broke up into groups, right? Uh, and I think only one group had overlapping council members in it outside of that. Everybody else was spread out between the department heads and the community. Um, and in the group that I was in, when I listed that um, under infrastructure, the, the, the two things that I put is, um, state dollars, like literally state and dollar signs, how much money are we going to get? Yeah. Because I think that determines what we need to do budgeting wise for how we pay for the balance, right? Um, and that's going to be important to know and understand how do we get to that equation of our portion of that state funding, those ARPA dollars that are going to be coming down. Um, and then readjusting our timeline. I think it's great that they gave us a 35 year time frame to get this done within, um, but I would I would like to make sure that our water doesn't go bad sooner than later. Um, so that that would be my desire is to see a, a, a redeveloped timeline um, with a map of where we plan on starting at and where the work is is gonna start getting done at and and kind of showing people this is when you can expect the water lines in your particular area. Uh, to get work done. And then over time, you know, that plan can adjust and change along the way because some of these are more pressing than others, but um, that's, that's at least what I would like to see. So. Yeah. And I think people will be, be get more, become more excited about the waterline replacement when they realize, will they get a new street out of it? Yes, because yes they will. To, you have to rebuild the whole, the whole thing. Yeah, sometimes you do. So there is a there's a machine that they can use that um, it's, it's called a mow. So I'm sure you can imagine what it does. It digs underneath the ground, 
um, that you can replace those lead service lines that way. Um, but in some cases, the, the streets will have to be trenched, which means tearing that entire road up. So um, hopefully we can couple those two issues together with street replacement uh, and offsetting the cost of replacing that street. Because if we have to dig it up, why not go ahead and replace it and fix that street while we're at it um, as far as replacing those water lines. But the no. mayor, Daniel Mahoney, with us this morning on The Morning Show. More with his honor after this. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. Mayor Daniel Mahoney joining us and coming up his first state of the city. And I think this is something that Derek Dobie's started doing. It is, it is. You're going to continue? Yes, indeed. You know, I think it's um, such a great idea to um, kind of give an overview of the work that we plan to do and also uh, kind of a moment to talk about the work that's been done as well uh, and giving some of our other council people and uh, people who work within the, the city of Jackson confines uh, an opportunity to talk about some of their goals. And you've got uh, a location, a new location for this this year. Yes, planning for it to be at the Booth Center. I know that's what I talked to city manager uh, Jonathan Green about is, is us, you know, we've been downtown um, at the Masonic at one point. We were at the King Center. Uh, King Center has had a, a beautiful renovation since then, but I think it's also good to spread some shine around the rest of the city as well. Uh, so this year requested it at the, to, to be at the Booth Center. Uh, we've got a new council person in that area, um, where that shares that area with, with Freddie Dancy, but still kind of split between Freddie Dancy and Ankalita Gunn. Um, and I think that it was it's also uh, due for uh, some some renovations over there that are supposed to be happening as well. So I think it'll be a good time to um, give the director of the Booth Center a few minutes to talk about some of his goals and what they have planned over there. They do a lot of good stuff over at the Booth Center. Yeah, uh, I know there's uh, some major uh, renovation plans, not yet in the works, but hoped right. for. Exactly. Yeah. I know it needs a new roof. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hope it doesn't rain on the night of the state of the city. Well, hopefully we'll be inside, and, and, and hopefully the rain <laughs> well, will stay the outside. Rain, the rain doesn't come through. Yeah, yeah. yep. Uh, one thing you wanted to talk about, uh, an expungement clinic. There's yes. some opportunities for people to clear their records. Yes, expungement clinic and resource fairs. So this is not just for those who are looking for expungement. This is for those who are looking for a job or a better job. Um, this is for those who are looking for uh, opportunities to get higher education. Jackson College will be there. Um, and then also for individuals who are seeking getting their record expunged. If they've got some things that are on their record that they like to get taken off, um, because a lot of times that's one of the biggest prohibitors for people who have had a little bit of trouble in the, in the past, you know, um, those things come up. And if you can get those expunged off your record, if you're eligible, this is a place that will help you walk you through from A to Z. Um, not only that, give you some opportunities while you're there uh, to say, you know what, I need to up the skills that I have so I can be worth more. Uh, let me 
look into Jackson College and see what it takes for me to get back in school. It's no better time than the present to start working on those things. So I'm like super excited about this. A lot of great people collaborated on this event. I can't even take the credit for leading it. I have to give a shout out to um, uh, 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 Nation Outside and Safe and Just Michigan and um, uh, Michigan Works uh, have really been doing the heavy lifting on the planning of the event. Um, and they roped me in and said, hey, we think you should be involved in this. Let's get the city involved. Uh, the city attorney's office reached out. Uh, we've reached out to the uh, Jackson, uh, uh, Jackson Police Department as well as the uh, prosecutor's office mm -hmm. um, and asked for, for their presence in, in helping this. And this is going to be a nice collaborative event uh, for people to come through and get some help that they may need. And the laws are changing, in fact, next week, a new law goes and takes into effect in the state of Michigan that um, will allow some uh, drunk driving convictions to be expunged yes. starting next week. And students, I understand, uh, they've got in trouble in, during high school that prevents them from even applying for a scholarship this might be a, a yeah. something they could consider. Yes, I think, I mean, and everybody deserves a second chance. I mean, and some of us even deserve a third chance. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that I truly believe in, um, and, uh, knowing what it feels like to have made mistakes in the past that that, um, that you're trying to, to work through in the, in the present. So I think it's good that we're given that opportunity. I was uh, super excited that the you know that we were able to partner in this event as the city of Jackson. And where is it? Oh, at Michigan Works, right over on MLK uh, in Washington, right there at the uh, 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 Commonwealth Center. Commonwealth Center um, at the Michigan Works office. Okay. And yep. the state of the city, the date for that is. It is March Wednesday, March sixteenth. Okay. Punch yes. and cookies. Um, hopefully. Hopefully. I don't know what, what's on the menu. Something good I'm hoping for. All right. Thanks for coming in today. Hey, thanks for having me, and good morning, Jackson, and have a great day. The mayor of the city of Jackson, Daniel Mahoney. Wow, we've run out of time. Thanks to Shauna and Daniel for being with us. Thank you, too, for tuning in, and our great staff always getting up early to make sure we are here for you. Later today, Neil Fernandez and Jacob Innocencio from Rise Above. Jackson College Potter Center shows with Sandra Phelan, realtor Darren Shaw, Nadine Hassan, starring in Wharton's Mean Girls and local artist uh, on exhibit in Detroit, Dion Tripp. Tomorrow on The Morning Show, Dr. Matthew Badke and the Chamber Connection. We'll see you this afternoon.